Last week, uh, my uh, three of my four grandkids came down for a few days, and we were having dinner. Um, Dason, he's he's three years old, and uh, he likes to try like new things. Uh, when I'm cooking, he likes to be around, and he's underfoot, and he, he's just full of questions. He'll, he'll be like, "What's that, Grandpa? You know, does that taste good to you?" I want to try that, and uh, he loves trying sauces and spices. Uh, he's a pretty adventurous little guy. Uh, he loves espresso. He also, since he's really little, he likes to eat coffee beans. And uh, so we're we're uh, I'm having chicken, and I'm eating, and I brought a bowl of jalapenos in. He goes, "What's that, Grandpa?" I said, jalapenos. He goes, I want some. I said, well, they're, they're really spicy. You know, I'm not sure you're going to like them. Well, he wanted to try them, and he liked them. He, he ate five or six slices, and uh, he probably eaten more if I'd have let him. A few hours later, we're, we're downstairs, and I'm with the three grandkids again, and uh, we're playing Xbox, uh, Tony Hawk. They love Tony Hawk. And so we're uh, playing, and so Dason kind of pipes up, and he goes, I like those holojinkos. And uh, he said, I'm just like you, Grandpa. And it started a great debate then. Because Ethan, he's, he's in the middle uh, of them uh, age-wise. And he goes, well, I'm like Grandpa too. He says, I like coffee and Grandpa likes coffee. And uh, Dason, he, he's quick. He goes, well, I like coffee too. So I'm more like Grandpa because I like coffee and I like jalapenos, you know. And uh, we kept having to correct him on and say, jalapenos. And uh, so uh, these, the two boys, uh, their brothers, they, they're kind of one-upping one another. And so this goes on for quite a while. They keep adding things to the list. And finally, Isabella, uh, she had been silent the, the entire time. She, she weighed in. Now, she's the oldest. She's six. And she kind of matter-of-factly, she said, well, I'm smart. I'm more like Grandpa. And this is, this is the classic. Ethan turns to Dason, and he goes, She's right, Dason. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching this unfold, and I was like, Oh, my, my, my. So, we're in this series eight, and uh, we've been looking at Jesus' most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. And we, we've talked about the different keys. We've been looking at the eight keys of happiness. They're basically eight attitudes for living life. You know, Matthew 5, 9. This is the seventh one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It doesn't say, happy are peace lovers. The fact is, most of us, if not all of us, love peace. And it doesn't say happy are the peaceable. You know, the people that never get rattled by anything, that they've got got this peace about them. It says happy are those who make peace, who actively seek to resolve conflict. And Jesus is basically saying that we are most like our Heavenly Father when we're peacemakers. Now, I know that just hearing the word peacemakers, we've got these misconceptions when it comes to peacemaking. You know, peacemaking is not avoiding. 
It's not running from the problem. It's not pretending that, that it doesn't exist. You know, I don't want to talk about that. Peacemaking. I mean, it's just not that. In fact, I would say that's being kind of a coward. You know, most of us do not enjoy conflict. We try and avoid it. We try and postpone it. We try and put it off. And the fact is, when we do that, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Peacemaking is not appeasement. You know, it's not caving in, you know, letting everyone have their own way, kind of mow you down mentality. You know, that's passivity. And the fact is, Jesus was a very controversial person. And he stood his ground on a number of issues. And we could spend all morning talking about places where Jesus just stood his ground. You know, once in a while I'll be reading a book on marriage. And it will kind of indicate that the secret to marriage is, yes, dear. Now, the fact is, if that's the mentality all the time, you become a doormat. You always let your spouse have their own way. You know, you you give in for the sake of peace. Friends, that's not peacemaking. Jesus never said that we were to do anything like that. It's not appeasement. It's not avoiding. It's actively seeking to resolve conflict. That's what peacemaking is. So why should I be a peacemaker? Why should you be a peacemaker? Well, one, it's God's will for your life. You know, God, God knows that um, if you have unresolved conflict in your life, that it comes with a very, very high cost. In fact, unresolved conflict will contaminate. It will contaminate your life. It will mess you up. It will contaminate your fellowship with God. You know, the Bible says that we cannot have a close relationship with God and be out of fellowship with other people at the same, you know, we can't do both of those things. You know, First John uh, says, First John 4 says, but if we say we love God and don't love each other, read with me, we are liars. Ouch. We're liars. You know, in other words, if I am growing close to God and the other person is growing close to God, it should pull us close together. But when I'm out of relationship with people, here we are, horizontally, it affects my relationship vertically, Scripture says. It'll contaminate. It also will contaminate your prayer life. You know, it'll block your prayers from from being answered. You know, 1 Peter 3 uh, is just one of many. I mean, I could recite verse after verse after verse where it says, that you've got to get things right or it'll mess up your prayer life. But this one kind of gets in the grills of of husbands and says, treat your wife right. You know, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. You know, Matthew 5 says that reconciliation is a prerequisite to worship. The fact is, when, when you come to church and you, you get ready to give your offering, Jesus says, if you remember in that moment that someone has something against you or you're irritated at someone, go immediately and deal with that person. And then, then come back and, and finish worshiping. You know, they, in other words, there is no substitute 
for reconciliation, not giving, not, not sharing, not, not spending a lot of time in, in God's word. In fact, I would argue with you, if you're having a hard time getting a prayer answered, one of the first things you ought to check is your relationships. And also, not only will it contaminate your prayer life, it will contaminate your happiness in life. Now, I'll be honest with you. When um, Cindy and I, we have conflict, I'm miserable. Seriously, I just get miserable inside. Job, Job says, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. In other words, when you have an issue with someone else, it will mess you up. It will cause you damage. It will, in the midst of you being upset, this, the, you resent something that, that's going on. What's it do? It creates tension in you. And pretty soon, it monopolizes your, atten- your, your uh, attention. It, it gets you. It just bugs you. And the whole time, what's it doing? It's stealing your happiness. So, so how do you deal? How do you deal with this contamination? You know, several years ago, uh, Cindy and I and the, the kids, we had just moved to, to Springfield. We were in a parsonage uh, up there. And uh, we started noticing little red marks around our ankles. And it steadily got worse. And then we realized something was biting us. Now, a little investigation, we found out, we had fleas. I mean, they had been dormant in the house. We had a cat at the time, and so the cat brought these things to life. Now, to tell you that it was an irritation would be a big understatement. We had fleas, friends, and we wanted to flee, no doubt. These microscopic, blood-sucking monsters terrorized us. You know, they, if you've ever had them, you, you, you laugh, but it's serious, I mean, these carpet dwellers, they they were villains, and they were around for a little over a month. We'd spray, things would calm down for a few days, and back they'd come. We'd try something else, and they would return with a vengeance. And they monopolized our attention. All we could think about was getting rid of these diabolical little creatures. And finally, I'll be honest, and I've been known to go to extremes, I declared war. I pulled out every piece of ammunition that I could find. I'd seen a commercial, raid, you know, kills bugs dead, right? Well, we got flea powder. We got flea shampoo. We got flea collars, flea spray. We fogged. It said you needed a couple for your house. We put one in every room. We even got that ultrasound stuff. You name it, we did it to try and get rid of them. And finally, we got rid of all the fleas. Well, here's what I think. God does not intend for us to live flea-infested lives. I mean, these little microscopic conflicts and struggles contaminate us. They contaminate our lives. They contaminate our fellowship with God. They contaminate our prayer life, our happiness, and high cost, high cost. And here's what I want to say. You've got to deal with them. You've got to deal with them. You are to initiate. You are to initiate. You're to be the one to make the first move. You're to schedule the, the sit-down, the face-to-face. Conflict does not resolve itself by accident. You have to take initiative intentionally 
take steps. You know, Scripture says to leave the altar, to do it now. Don't postpone it. Don't put it off. You know, Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Paul says, if it's possible. In other words, God understood that there is always an exception from time to time. That's why he says, if it's possible. If it's possible. I mean, for example, have you ever had a situation where you wanted to deal with it, but the other person wouldn't talk? You ever been there? I mean, I've had it happen a few times in my life. And the Bible says that we're to do what we can do. In other words, if we initiate and try and talk, and they won't talk, then you move on. But hear this, 99.9% of the time, people will talk. People will connect. You know, as Christians, in other words, you can't just sit back and wait on them. Jesus said this, Matthew 5, he says, So if you're about to place your gift at the altar, and remember that someone is angry with you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, make peace with that person, then come back and offer your gift to God. I can almost guarantee you why I, while I was reading that passage, for some of you, the Holy Spirit initiated something, initiated something in your mind. You know, your, your mind immediately thought about a, a spouse or a friend or a neighbor, you know, a classmate, maybe somebody you work with. And that name just, boom. Whether you're the offended or the offender, you're to go and you're to initiate the talk. And when you do, friends, you are most like your Heavenly Father in that moment. You know, I mean, it's what God did. God initiated the first move. We, we, we were totally wrong. We'd sinned outright. God is just, is perfect, didn't do anything wrong. God didn't look at the situation and go, oh, well, you're lost. You know, your problem. See you later. No, God initiated a plan. God reached out. He sent Jesus Christ to reconcile us. I mean, what if, what if God had dealt with that conflict, that sin, the way we do in life? Well, I can tell you what, we'd be looking at eternity in hell. But God took initiative. God says, I got I to gotta deal with that. And friends, when we take initiative in our life to, to settle conflict, we're most like God in that moment. When we let the Holy Spirit initiate in us to, to point out a situation or a person, a, a name, someone that we need to make peace with, if we just take that step and initiate, then we've got to have a plan. And I want to give you a raid plan today. Kills conflict dead. It'll work. It really will. Whether, whether it's at home or at your work or at school or with friends, maybe someone here in the church. And the first is our relate with others. Relate with others. Try to understand, and this is hard, where they're coming from. Try and understand what they're going through it will give you a better perspective. You know, when, when you take and initiate the peace talks, if you can possibly 
get in their position and understand where they're at, you actually can have a conversation. Philippians 2.4 says, Don't only think of your own affairs, but consider the interests of others. It's interesting. In, in the Greek, uh, the word consider there is scopus. It's where we get the word scope, you know, like microscope, telescope. In other words, to focus on something, to focus on their needs, their struggles, their whatever. Now, here's what happens. When I get upset, when you get upset, who do you think of? Me, 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 me. It's all about me. It's my needs and my hurt and my pain. I don't care about you. I care about me. And that's how it works. And God says, you know what? You've got to get a different perspective. You need to relate with them. You know, I've talked about this before. It's kind of the Doc Martin principle. You know, if you look, there's a tag on their shoes that says, walk a mile in someone else's shoes, and you'll understand their problems. Walk a mile in someone's Doc Martens, you probably won't give them back. Friends, you've got to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. You know, whether it's Doc Martens or Nikes or Pumas, uh, you know, high heels, boots, flip-flops, whatever. But you've got to do that. Second thing you need to do, A, aerate. Aerate the issue. Expose the issue. You know, air it out. Attack the issue, hear this, but not the person. Focus on fixing the problem, not fixing the person. You know, that's why the Bible says, Ephesians 4, says, do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you will, so what you will say will do good to those who hear you. Friends, you cannot focus on fixing the problem and fixing the blame at the same time. That'll get you, that'll mess you up. And in fact, let me, let me just say this. I'll save you a lot of time, a lot of frustration. If you're meeting with someone so you can fix the blame, don't waste your time and don't waste theirs. Because that is just going to go south on you. Proverbs 15 says, A gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. Engage your mind. My dad told me this many, many times. Engage your mind before you engage your mouth. You remember the game Crazy 8? How many of you remember that game? I don't even know if kids play it anymore. But the object of that, well, it was a card game, was to get rid of all your cards by matching the, the rank or the suit, you know. Eights were wild. They, they could be anything. And so basically you'd play the game and it was kind of dictated by what your opponent played. You know, some, sometimes when you're dealing with an issue in your life, they make a play and so you counter according to what they, they play. And, and when you don't feel like you got to move, you go crazy eight on them, Right? I mean, we we do these things, and it ends up kind of escalating. And then when you play the crazy eight, well, then they come back with their crazy eight. And here's what I want to suggest to you. Eight crazy things that we do when we're trying to work out an issue that you shouldn't do. 
you know, don't play the sarcastic card. Oh, like you really care. Get sarcastic? Anybody ever get sarcastic? Don't do it. You know, don't play the 3C card. You know, that is, don't criticize. Well, take a good look at your life. You know, don't condemn. Like you're a good example. You know, don't compare. Well, I wish you were more like him or more like her. Three C's, they're huge. This is a big dog card. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't play the name-calling card. You know, the UR card? You are such an idiot. Don't do it. You know, don't play the threat card. You know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to tell everybody. You know, don't play the psychologist card. You know, well, the reason you're like this, anybody ever do that? Oh, man, that'll get the crazy eight game going. And don't play the new game card. And you know how this goes, right? You're getting beat in the discussion. And instead of admitting that you were wrong or what you did was messed up, you change the game. Well, remember when you did such and such? Right? And you change the game to something you know you can win. Don't play it. Don't play the interrupt card. You don't like the way things are being played, and so you just go out of turn. Do your own thing. And don't play the loud card. Some reason, and especially guys hear this, getting louder does not improve play. In fact, it actually hurts your play. Avoid crazy eight. Crazy eight. It's bad, bad deal. I impersonate, you ready? The figure eight. Several uh, years ago, we went to uh, Circuit du Soleil. And um, I'll be honest, both times I've been, I'm, t- I'm totally mesmerized by, by that. How many of you ever been? Oh, it just, I have to put it at the top of some things we've done. I remember one of the performances, uh, the, the women, they flexed themselves and literally their heads went back to the back of their back and they brought their feet up and they created eights out of themselves or infinity signs, I'm not sure which. And then, get this, they started bouncing around on the floor and then they stacked themselves in stacks of three. And, and I'm sitting watching this and I, I'm like, I can't imagine the flexibility and the strength that it took to create these stacks of, of eight that they were doing. They made it look so simple. Well, friends, God is into figure eights. And basically, when we initiate a peacekeeping mission to sit down with someone, God wants us to impersonate that figure eight, and God wants us to get very flexible in our life. And I know that's going to take a ton of strength. You know, in other words, we've got to get this straight. That's valuable to the conversation if we're willing to flex. In fact, I would argue inflexibility is a major cause of divorce in our country, of relational collapse. We need to be flexible when we're having communications with other people. James said the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure and full of quiet gentleness. Then it's peace-loving and courteous. It allows discussion and is willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds, it is wholehearted and straightforward and sincere. 
conflict. It happens at home. It happens at work. It happens at school. It happens at the store. It happens in the parking lot. And the fact is, we are to be people that are flexible. I've got an idea where there are two or more people gathered. There's conflict. And God expects us, if we're Christians, to impersonate the figure eight. In other words, we need to daily ask God to stretch us, to make us more flexible in our, in our lives. And get this, when you flex, you know, you get a different view in life. Right? And we need a different view. Impersonate it. Last piece of raid decontaminate the situation. And the only way you decontaminate is focus on reestablishing the relationship, not on resolution. You know, there are some things legitimately that we have differences between us. You know, husbands, wives, they, they're different. Employees, bosses, men, women, co-workers, you know, people you go to school with or you go to church with, some of those differences are not going to be resolved. It's just the way it is. But if you're going to decontaminate the situation, you've got to bury the hatchet. Not the issue. Don't mishear me here. You can keep wrestling with it, but you can talk about it in, in harmony. You can agree to disagree. You can walk together without seeing eye to eye in life. Reconciliation focuses on the relationship. Resolution focuses on the problem. Now, this is just my observation, but when, when I focus on A, B oftentimes becomes less significant. When you focus on reconciliation, you know, like you go to someone maybe you work with, and you say something like, you know, Look, we work together. Why are we fighting? We're, we're on the same team. We're, we're, we're trying to accomplish the same thing. We disagree about this or, or that, and you, and you point it out. And that's, a, that's the issue. But we're still on a team together. Focus on getting the relationship right. And what, what you will find many times is that the issue becomes minor. It, it at least gets you moving in the right direction, especially if that person understands you care about them, that the relationship's important. You know, Paul says, God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. God models what he wants us to do, and that is be peacemakers. A person who brings people together in life. That's what he wants. God sent Jesus Christ to this world to die on the cross so we could have a relationship with him. So we could have peace with God. Peacemaker. Jesus was the prince of peace. When, when you're the peacemaker, you are most like God. You know, when God looks down, he sees us initiate, to, to take that step toward peace, whether it be in our marriage or with our kids or relatives, someone you work with, go to school or church or whatever, 
I believe God looks down and says, that's my girl. That's my boy. Child of God. Child of God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. God says, they're doing exactly what I would do if I was in that situation. I would be seeking peace. I would be working on that. If you are a Christian, God's given you that ministry of reconciliation. Relationships are high priority in God's agenda. Who can be a peacemaker? Well, you can. Anyone can become a peacemaker. But first, you've got to have peace inside. You cannot give peace if you're at war inside yourself. You can't give peace if you, if you don't have it. And let me say this. If you're looking for people to meet all your needs instead of God, you're going to ask for a lot of trouble and a lot of warfare in your life. Because here's what happens. When I'm expecting everyone to meet my needs, when they don't, I get ticked off. And it causes conflict. It causes conflict. And many of you in your life, you're you're trying to get people to meet needs that only God can meet. You know, when when you look to God and you have the peace of God, what you find is relationships start working better for you. Things start falling together. And for some, some reason, we just get this all messed up. In fact, for some of you, that's the reason why your relationships are always struggling. Because you're, you've got this war going on inside. I mean, what do you do? How do you find the, the kind of peace that, that you're missing? Well, friends, you've got to invite Jesus Christ into your life. You know, it starts there. Jesus said, I give you peace, the kind of peace that only I can give. It isn't the peace that the world can give. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a peace that can't be taken away. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on whether you get caught in traffic or not, whether things are up or down. It's not connected to any of that. It's an inner peace. It's a peace that in the midst of chaos, you still have peace. When things are falling apart, there's still a sense of peace, and that's the kind of peace that God wants to give you. You know, Paul writes in Colossians 3, he says, Let the peace of Christ, what? Rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your life. Let it be front and center. And I I know a lot of people, they think they have peace with God, You know, and it goes something like this. God, you stay up in heaven, do whatever it is you do up there. And I'm going to stay down here, and I'm going to do my own thing. And I won't bother you, and you don't bother me. And they think that's peace. But friends, that's not peace with God. That's a truce. That's a truce. Peace is when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you live your life seeking God's guidance, when you share with God the struggles that you're having in life, you won't find peace in religion. That's where most people look. You're not going to find it there. It's in a relationship, a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God. And I would encourage you, if you've not taken a step to make Jesus Christ your Savior, and I'd be glad to talk to you after the service, just 
catch me. Let's pray together. Take that step. Or you're never going to find that peace. Many of you have made that decision in your life. And I want to ask you something really important today. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want people to say about you? At work, at home, at school, wherever. You pick your poisons. What would people say? Peacemaker or troublemaker? Peacemaker, troublemaker. Which? Happy are the peacemakers. Why? Well, first of all, they got peace inside themselves. And secondly, they're happy because they will be rewarded by God for taking that step. Some of you need to go straight out of here today. Maybe start dialing as you're heading out the door. And just call that person that came to mind when we were reading scripture earlier. That person that you're estranged from. You know, that relative, that that friend or ex-friend. That, that person you work with, that uh, person you go to school with. Maybe they're sitting in the auditorium today. And you just need to call them and then put the raid plan to work. You know, relate with them. You know, get in their shoes. See things from their perspective, however hard it is to do, to try and see it from their perspective. Aerate the issue. Attack the issue. Air it out. Don't attack the person. And stay away from the crazy eights. And if you can't remember them and you're afraid, you'll come talk to me. I'll help you figure out which ones are your weakness. Because we all like to play certain ones. Impersonate the figure eight. Say with me, be flexible. Say it. Be flexible. And then decontaminate the situation. Focus on the relationship. The relationship, not the issue doesn't mean you don't talk about the issue, but remember, the relationship's most important. Now, how do you know if something's not resolved if you're thinking about it? Or if you're not sure? Or if you're still rehearsing it over and over in your head? Initiate the call. Initiate the call. Now, understand, you may not resolve the issue. It's okay. It's okay. You may make the call. And you you call and you say, hey, I'd like to get together and get things straightened out. And they may say, forget you. And if that's what they do, then you've done what you're supposed to do. But friends, whatever you do, if you initiate, God looks down. And if you're trying to put that raid plan to work, God looks down and he sees a peacemaker. And God looks down at that moment when you take that step. And he says, that's my son. That's my daughter. And they're just like me right now. Let's read together. Happy are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, we praise you. 
God, I know we all have conflicts in our lives. God, I pray that whatever names your Holy Spirit brought to mind today, that you'd give us the strength to pick up that phone, to make that call, to get things straight. God, we long to be like you. God, I also thank you that those times when we trip and stumble and fall all over the place, that you're always there initiating with us, picking us up, helping us start again. God, I pray that we'd be peacemakers that when people talk about faith fellowship, they'd say that's a group of people that long for peace. We give you the praise and the glory this day. Amen.